So two weeks ago, Christian did a very good job in spending time in Romans 6 and explained to us why we need to change. And I think this is a crucial thing for us as a, as a people and modern people is we kind of think we're okay. We're not. Scripture crystally clear paints that we are not. That gives us a real reason why we need to change. If you missed that, really go and listen to that. Last week, Philip did a good job in just helping us overcome some difficulties of, the, of change. Why do we struggle to change? Because there's a battle between flesh and between spirit. And he did so well in just explaining that battle and giving us tools how to overcome that. Today, as I speak on the legacy of change, we're going to look through the scripture. And there are three things I want to highlight. That I believe that when we are changed through Christ, when Jesus has transformed us, when we are born again, new creations, there's a legacy that we leave behind or that we should leave behind. And I, and I believe these are, these, these are the three things. Number one, we find our true purpose, we are free from fear, and we are forever found in God's love. This is part of the legacy that a transformational change in Jesus brings. Romans 28, or 8 verse 28 says, for, And we know that for those who love God, say, those who love God. Say, those who love God. All things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purposes. Very famous piece of scripture, right? We love this scripture. In fact, you'll find the scripture anywhere. You'll find it on fridge magnets. And on um, book covers. And on wallpapers on your phone. Right? This is a nice scripture. Agree? I do believe it's also sometimes misunderstood. We sometimes don't really get to the real understanding of what this scripture means. So most of, most of us have probably heard, or perhaps even you've said this yourself, something like this. Yes, you may have lost your job. But you can be sure that you will get a better one because all things work together for good. Or, you know, it's okay that you broke up. God's got someone better planned for you. There's another boyfriend waiting for you. Who's ever heard or maybe even said something like that? Yes. Don't be upset about your fiance breaking off your engagement because God must have, his plans are better than your plans. Right? See, the difficulty when we, when we kind of narrow it to, to this we misunderstand, or what we take, our understanding of good, we kind of put it into the gap of materialistic things, of earthly things, of things that come and go. Are you following me? See, we, we, we narrow it so, so down to what you experience in the now. If I would ask three people today, please tell me what makes a burger good. Onions, cheese, salt. We don't even. We can't even agree what's a good burger. How do we really know what's good then? Do you see that? We have no idea what good means because our reference is materialistic, from a materialistic perspective. From God's perspective, good must be defined in an eternal and a spiritual condition. Therefore, the ultimate good is God's glory. And he is glorified when his children live as Christ did and attain the glory that he has set out for them. 
See, Paul is not saying whatever happens is good. There's a lot of things in your life that has happened to you that's not good. Paul doesn't say everything in your life that happens is good. Just find the, the magical rainbow in your situation. Or what's the silver lining? Now, just change your mind and look at it through a positive. What's the one positive? That's not what Paul's saying. That's not what he's saying. He's also not saying that us suffering evil or, or difficulty is good as well. We shouldn't believe that either. He's also not saying that everything will work out if you have enough faith. Who's maybe been said to that before? Man, you just keep trusting God. You have enough faith and it will change. I don't believe that's what Paul's saying here. But before we just unpack what I believe that Paul is actually saying in Romans 28 verse 28, there's one thing I want to show you is the focus. Where's the focus? And we know that for those who love God. I don't know about you, but I've sometimes found myself in situations or in times in my life where I've like gone through something and now I'm like looking for the good in here. I'm like, surely, Lord, your word says that everything works out for the good. What good could possibly come from this? So my focus has been shifting at the events and not at the God who I'm called to love. If you want to see your environment or circumstance or whatever you're going through change, keep loving God. Because that's the first thing that enemy wants to steal from you when you go through difficulty. It's to break your trust and break your love. Without that, there is no good. Without loving God, there is no good in any circumstances, for he is the author of good. The focus in the scripture is not on the all things. It's on for those who love God. Do you love God this morning? No matter what you've been through, no matter what's coming, no matter what, do you love God? That's the key for us to firstly unpack and understand this scripture. The word synergo, or synergia, however you want to say it, but synergo is a Greek word that means synergy. Okay, synergy kind of means when there's a, a lot of things that act or play together and kind of combine to make something different. It's like when you bake a cake. You've got your eggs and your flour and your sugar and your salt and your chocolate. And when you take these different particles and stuff, there's synergy happens and you make a cake. Not about you, but if you've ever tried to just eat baking soda. Don't taste good. Even like vanilla smells great, but if you take a sip of vanilla essence, it will destroy you. <laughs> I tried that before. I was like, something that smells this good must taste brilliant. <laughs> Synergy is what happens when two or more elements are brought together and form something completely new. And this word is kind of what the scriptures plays on all things. It's a synergy of things. It's the multiple aspects or facets in your life that play into something brand new. What I love about this, this means that God uses every bad and every good in your life. Imagine we just served a God who just used the good things in your life. What would that reflect about our God? The fact that we can't go through trials and suffering reveals that God is sovereign because he can use that. He doesn't say, no, let's leave out the eggs while we're making this cake. He says, no, bring those eggs. There is a divine synergy, even in the darkest moments we go through. A synergy which produces something positive. So what I believe Paul is saying, Paul, he's saying, he's actually making a 
proclamation saying, I believe that life is hard and brutal. I don't have fairies in my mind, and I don't look through everything through a rose gold lens. I believe life is tough, but because everything I go through works together for his plan and his purposes, because there's a glory at the end, this gives me enough to continue. Because of the scripture, there is purpose for us to go through anything we face. Without that, your suffering would have been in vain. And then this is what I love. How verse 29 kind of takes us one level further. And this is where you and I find our true purpose. Verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Work together for good. Can you see what the good is according to the scripture? Is when you and I get to reflect Jesus to a world. It's when you and I get to reflect Jesus to the Father. God is not a car dealership where you come in with a broken and you go out with a new. Oh, but God, you said this, this, this broken thing, God, you're going to work it for the good, so I'm going to take it to you, and you're going to breathe on it or spit on it or sprinkle me or whatever, and now I'm going to, oh, I've got my new car again. So much deeper because, friends, your purpose is not being an accountant, not being a pastor, not being a mother. Your ultimate purpose is ultimately coming to a place where you and I reflect Jesus to the world around us and to the Father that's in heaven. That is what he decided for us and said, this is where you're going. This is where you're going. This week was, a, was the one-year anniversary of my, of my dad's passing on Wednesday. And for those of you who don't know our story, we've kind of had a rough 12 months. Um, I buried three family members in six months. And then our little girl spent two months in hospital, six, six weeks in ICU. Um, that all happened from last year, August, to this year, June. And then July, I dropped my MacBook And it broke. It doesn't work. We're back on Samsung. Thank God for insurance. Anyway. And to be honest, I've wrestled with the scripture for over a year. And I don't think I'm done wrestling. Don't think so. Looked at circumstances and said, Lord, what good? There's no good. No good can come from this. And then the scripture starts challenging my perspective of what I believe is good. Starts challenging and saying to me, hold on, that if God says everything works together for the good and good ultimately points us to becoming more like Jesus, then I should start looking in that direction. So what has the bad taught me? What, is, what, the, what has God taken from the bad that has happened and kind of given good from it. Number one, I believe this last year has made me more compassionate to those who suffer. Suffer illness, suffer death, suffer loss. And Jesus was the ultimate example of compassion. So I guess God is busy making me like Jesus. I've been aware, been made aware how fragile the state of life is. How things change in a day. My aunt went, on, went into hospital on the Friday. 
struggled with diabetes, there was a problem with her leg, they were worried about her leg. And then 11 o'clock on Sunday evening, they let us know, listen, the medicine is working, they, can, they start hearing blood pour into the bottom part of her leg. And we were like, thank you, God, we need this win. <laughs> we really need this win as a family. And at 11 o'clock on Sunday evening, on the 30th of October, we went to bed with full hearts. At 3 o'clock, my aunt came into our room, and my other aunt, this aunt's sister, came into our room and said the hospital's phoning. They'd been busy resuscitating our aunt the last half an hour. We must leave to the hospital right now. Four hours, she had passed away been made aware of how fragile this life is. And I believe that is what Jesus did every time he kept pointing to eternity. Remember, in light of, in light of us living a life that will echo into eternity. I believe that's why Jesus kept on saying, do not gather treasures on this world because what lies ahead, that's where we are going. So I believe through this, even if it's just a little bit at the moment, God's changing my state of belief and how I perceive things. Number three, that Jesus is the only true unshakable in my life. People pass away, things break, things get stolen, but Jesus remains. Am I done wrestling? No. Am I done asking? No. But what I am done with it's not turning to God and say, God, I love you. Because that's ultimately our only hope. Our purpose is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Imagine a society that looks like that, that goes through things. Imagine a church that says, no matter what we go through, Lord, I believe that somehow, some way, even if, it's, even if I never get to see it. Two months ago at our evening service, um, we have Get Connected and awesome, and it's like, a, and after this girl rushes to me, and um, she says, she's um, new to our church, first time she was at our church this, that Sunday evening, and um, she says, listen, she knows, she catches up to Anshan and I before we leave, she knows us. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, there's a lot of faces and a lot of names I get to meet on a Sunday. Um, no, don't worry, I'm new here, but I know you. It's like, but How? She said she works at Kluwerf Hospital. And I'm not quite sure what she said she does there, but she says, we know all about you and your daughter and what you went through the last two months at Wilkers and Sunninghill Hospital. It's like, what do you mean? She says, the stories and what we have been hearing in our hospital in the way you and your wife handled that season, treated people, kept having faith and believed that God's going to come through for your daughter has inspired me to say, well, then I have to find this church. I'm not saying this because I think we did well. In fact, I look back in that season and say, man, I failed. Where was my faith? I look back into the scene and say, and then I realize, but isn't that exactly the thinking that the enemy wants me to have in times when I go through? He says, whereas you failed, you're not being a testimony, you're not loving people, you're not being different. And I was overwhelmed with thankfulness that in seasons I think I failed, God says, no, I'm using that so that people will come into your kingdom. I said to you, you have no idea what it means, you're just saying that. You've broken lies that I've believed. Because guys, I've told you at times, I don't even want to pray for my food. I was like, Anshan, I'm not going to pray. You pray. 
do not bless this food. <laughs> Can I tell you who you marry and who you build your spouse to be is so important? Because I'm thankful in those moments, my wife says, don't worry, ways I can pray. I'm going to read you just this poem, and I'm actually going to end here. But I've got two more points. I'm going to end here. I walked a mile with pleasure. She, she chatted all the way. But I was none the wiser for all she had to say. Then I walked a mile with sorrow, and neither and never a word she said. But oh, the lessons I did learn when sorrow walked with me. I walked a mile with sorrow and never a word said she. But oh, the lessons I learned when sorrow walked, walked with me. Friends, I believe when we encounter Jesus, when we allow him to change us, we find ultimately that legacy of change is that you and I have actually come to a place where we agree that I'm not the greatest person in the world. In fact, Jesus is. And you commit that in the next, whether you have 30 minutes, 30 months or 30 years, that I'm gonna see this decision echo in my life every day and see the legacy that it leaves behind. Pastor Ferdy this week, just seeing the legacy of what a bunch of students did in 1984 on a campus in the Philippines that none of you will ever be, probably go to. 38 years later, we're in 88 nations around the world. That's a legacy of change. That's a legacy of change. It's when you and I say, Lord, that we will not look into ourselves or get caught up with our insecurities. Because this scripture goes on to say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Church, say nothing. No person, no church, no preacher, no angel, no demon, no depression, no anxiety, no death, no attack, no persecution. Church, say nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God because God is for us. Who can be against us? Paul goes on in this letter and he, and he almost like charges. Then he asks his questions. Who will condemn us? No one because Jesus has died and he has risen and he is our Savior and our Lord and our King. If God is for us, church, who can be against us? That thing that you think is pressing you down or weighing you down this morning, God says, I am for you. When I go to a fight, I will phone John and I will phone David because they are for me. They will protect me. I'm not big. But we don't fight. David, my son, John, we're not fighters. But God says everything is small in comparison to me. Therefore, there's hope. Therefore, there's a future. What legacy are you leaving behind? What legacy are you deciding to build every single day? Number one, there's a next generation that's desiring something from this generation. If you think your world is tough, imagine being a teenager post-COVID in this individualistic worldview that we have. 
where everything inside of that person is being challenged. Their faith, their identity, their sexuality, what they do with themselves. There's a legacy that you have been called to leave to the teenagers and the students of this city. There's a legacy God's called us as every nation Chwani to leave in the continent of Africa. What will we say 38 years later, church? Sorry, Lord, I was too white. Sorry, Lord, I don't speak French. Sorry, Lord, I just bought that mountain bike. There's a legacy that we get to leave behind. There's a pattern that we get to leave behind. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let that change leave a legacy in your own life. So mark today, 7th of August, 2022. In a year's time, I want you to respectfully look yourself in the mirror and say, Lord, thank you that I'm not that person anymore. Because my continual commitment to you, the one that changes, the one that makes new, leaves a legacy. And I believe one of the biggest problems for us in seeing this legacy is believing we are fixer-uppers. Lord, everything's kind of under control. Just renovate the kitchen for me. Jesus says, I want to break it down so I can build something brand new. That's what happens when we come to confess and believe in Jesus. He says, this old house, I don't just want to change your rooms. I want to, I'm, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to build something new. Because in Him, we are new creations. How great is that? You don't have to live with that old, broken down, dry area in your life. You don't have to live with the green tiles in your bathrooms. You all know which ones I'm meaning, right? <laughs> God's going to tear it down. Allow me to tear it down to build something new that even you would be surprised at what I can do. That's His promise. A lot of us say, but Lord, I'm not good enough for you. Well, partly that's right. That's why it says choose Jesus, live in Jesus because He's good enough. Our faith lies with Him. Why? Because for those who love God, everything works together for the good that are called according to His purposes. And if this God says that and He's for us, who can be against us? If you take anything from today's sermon, I hope it's the scriptures that you wrote down. Lord, I thank you that we can be here today. Just get a fresh breath of your presence in our lives. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you realize that you want to see this legacy of change. You want to be able to see yourself grow. You want to see yourself, you want to see yourself a year from now a different person. You want to see yourself leaving something behind for your children. Fathers, what are you leaving behind for your children? If they don't have a character or relationship with Jesus, the money won't do them good. You want to leave something behind for your children and for your spiritual children and for the children of this world. You want to leave a legacy that nations will come to know Jesus, but you realize I have not been changed yet. I am still the captain of my own ship. I am still in charge. Yes, Jesus maybe comes in and he renovates every now and then, but then he leaves because I am the master builder. No, friends, Jesus is the master builder. He's the cornerstone. Without him, there is no change. 
Maybe today you haven't made this decision that Jesus come into my life and change me. I surrender everything before you and I give my life to you. Not my heart, my life. Because he wants to convert your mind, your heart and your wallet. If you have never given your life to Jesus, just raise your hand so that your change can start today. Just raise it a bit higher that I can see. Awesome. Come on. Come on. That's great. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to be obedient and to just follow, let your feet follow your heart. Your heart's already made the decision. If you've raised your hand, do you mind just coming to the front here? Jesse, I'm going to pray with you. Just Let's give them a round of applause. Come on. Come to the front. Awesome. Friends, let's give them a round of applause. Guys, you can look at me quickly. Come on. So the word teaches us, the Bible says, that, did you guys hear people clapping hands through this morning? There's a party in heaven right now. There's a party in heaven where people are rejoicing and saying, look, my brother and sister are home. This is awesome. I'm so glad you've made this decision because this decision will change everything. So I'm gonna pray with you shortly. Just repeat after me, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace, for your love and your heart for me. Thank you that your love is greater than anything else this world can offer me. I realize today that I'm a sinner and I need a perfect Savior. So therefore, Jesus, I declare that you are Lord over my life, the Savior of my soul, and I now am a son and a daughter of God. I'm a child of God. Therefore today, I can declare that if God is for me, who can be against me? Therefore I can declare that if God is for me, who can be against me? Lord, I pray a blessing over everyone standing here. Lord, thank you that you've called them. Your word says that you are drawing near and knocking on the hearts. Lord, thank you that they answered today. I pray a massive blessing of provision and protection and conviction over their lives. Lord, I pray that this change that starts today, them being a new house, completely renovated, new rooms, new roof, new swimming pool, everything, Lord, that we desire comes from you. And I pray that this decision will echo into eternity. I pray that you'll lead them to people, to trust people, that they will be discipled well, that they will be humble enough to say, teach me. I see something and teach me. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.